Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You give me one shot here on a blue chip stock. Believe me, Kevin. Problem you're gonna have is that you didn't buy more. Nobody knows if the stock is gonna go up, down, sideways, or in circles. What is good, NBA draft fans? Your boys are back. The Wolves of Ball Street, the Draft Act, NBA Draft Podcast. I am Corey Teleba, and as always, I am here with my dude, my co-host, Albert Garbage Time mm. Gim. Albert, how we doing today, dude? Dude. It's a it's a good day. We've already had a freaking busy ass morning uh, yeah. for Corey and I, and we're excited to re- I, like, dude, I feel like everyone's been teasing stuff on Twitter, but uh, what we're teasing is actually going to be worth it, guys. So be ready. But um, I'm ready, man. I'm ready to talk about Paolo. I'm ready to work on my Italian. I took three semesters of Italian in college, so I'm going to remember none of it during this pod, but I'm ready, man. <laughs> this kid is so fun to watch and uh, I'm ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... Let's just get into it, man. The the Blue Devil Blue Chipper. Let's um let's get into some Paulo Boncaro. The next potentially great prospect from the Seattle basketball scene. Oh. Another and one. Seattle. Re- I mean, Seattle's basketball scene is is what's up. Mm-hmm. So currently Paolo is 18 years old. He'll be 19 at, at draft time. He's listed at 6'10, 250. Reported seven foot and a half wingspan. He opted out of his senior year, but his junior year stats were 22.6 points per game, 11 rebounds per game, 3.7 assists per game, 1.6 blocks per game. He was Gatorade's player of the year in Washington in 2020. Let's get into some stock prices. ESPN has Paolo projected as the number two pick currently SB nation has him at one tankathon has him at one basketball news has him at two bleacher report has him at two i personally think that i have him at three that's an average stock price of 1.8 so albert i ask you is palo boncaro stock price too high too low or is it just right i i think honestly like i haven't gone through like everything yet in terms of like all the different rankings that we've done so far. I think so far we have Hardy one. And I don't remember. Anyway, we both um, had Hardy one. Right, right. 1.8 feels high to me. Like I, I feel like, I feel like he should be more like two and a half, mm. three, two and a half. Like I feel comfortable at like two, six, five. Um, this is so stupid, but um, that's how I feel. Like, I think like one at 1.8 feels kind of high for Boncaro. Um, and we'll talk, we're obviously going to talk about that, but the kid is super talented, but 1.8 is really high. Um, cause we have, I, I think for both of those, we have hard, hardy, like firmly at number one. Um, so yeah, 1.8, it's a little high for me. I think it's just right. And the reason being, even mm-hmm. though I think I personally have him at three right now and it's preseason and like, it doesn't fucking matter. 
it's all conjecture, right? It's like we're comparing, you know, apples to, you know, asparagus. Uh, I, I mean, like all these kids, they're not playing the, the same competition, uh, the same levels of competition. It was, you know, weird COVID stuff going on. It's there's there's a lot to consider. But the reason I think that it's, you know, having him in that range where he can conceivably be the number one overall pick feels right is because I think that out of like the top three guys, and I think that there's going to be going in a a pretty clear top three, Mm -hmm. he feels like he could come out of the gate the most and just be like, oh, okay, let's not overthink this. This guy is the best talent. Got it. So I think that it's, it's just right. But again, I have him at three based on like high school AAU tape and we'll get into the reasons why, but as to where other people have him, I understand it. Even if I personally don't have him there because I think some of it is, is the projection uh, element. Uh, let's get into the the actual skill set of our guy, Paolo Boncaro. Um, and as, as we have recently on this pod, let's talk, let's start it out with the shooting. So okay. let's start it out with his off the bounce shooting. In or out? Oh, I'm... Uh, see, I mean, like, any anytime we ask in and out, in or out, in and out, damn. The Cali and really I, could, out, I right? could eat some in and out right now. <laughs> For you, it's like some lunchtime where you're at. <laughs> I'm watching the sunrise here on the West Coast right now. Um, chocolate shake? <laughs> that does sound really good, actually. Uh, but I, I do want to say, like, I think it's so hard to, like, decide in or out because we're going off of such, like, crappy tape. Um, like all the AAU stuff, like high school stuff, but I kind of like it. So I, in terms of his shooting, um, I actually watched his, his uh, film breakdown with Schmitz and mm-hmm. like, I'm going to talk a lot about that video because I was really impressed by that video, Corey. And like that interview yeah. just in general, the way that he like spoke about himself felt so it, it didn't feel like he was media trained and polished. It just felt very raw and candid. Like it, it felt like he was like unabashedly like trying to critique himself. Like he wasn't afraid to like, you know, talk about like the warts in his game. But anyway, in terms of the shooting, like the off the dribble stuff, I, I think it's raw. I think it's definitely raw, but there are some like really nice. Um, there's, there's a lot to work with there um, is what I'll say. Um, I, I like the handle. I think it's just going to get better. Um, but overall, in terms of his shooting, like, yeah, there's some stuff that he has to clean up. But the thing that really stuck out to me in his interview with Schmitz that, like, I, I had to write down, I like that he when they were talking about, like, the load up into the shot and how, you know, he was, like, really, like, open about it. Like, when I load up, like, it's good. And Schmitz talked about that, too. But that's something that I have to be more consistent about. And I was like, oh, this kid, he gets it. Like, he understands, like, it, it, he's nowhere near perfect. But it seems like he has a work ethic and then also like the right mentality about his shooting. So I'm actually kind of high on his shooting. I think he's going to develop into a really, I don't know if he's going to be an excellent shooter or elite shooter, but at least a pretty consistent shooter is kind of how I feel right now. Yeah. So even if he isn't necessarily consistent off the bat, I still think that it's a shot that you have to respect. Right. So the percentages might not say, hey, this kid is a good shooter, but it is something that you're going to be like, all right, well, I do want to close out on it because he can knock this shot down. That That's kind of where I'm at with this shot because there are times that he'll, you know, combo move his way into a, a shot off the bounce. And I'm like, wow, that is fluid and smooth 
and it's got good arc and the follow through is there. And then there are some other times where there's like a, a weird hitch in it. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he can get it off smoothly sometimes lets right. me know that it's something he's working at, but it also lets me know that he's not there yet. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when we look at him as a college prospect, I'm going to be really interested to see if how much he's been working at it because it's been a lot of time since he's, you know, playing in these right. high school games and how often that hitch, you know, rears its ugly head. Mm-hmm. Even with the hitch, you know, there are times where he still kind of will knock the shot down. So it's not like right. a, an absolute deal breaker. But if he can just, if he's a guy that just flawlessly can pull up from three, he's going to be uh, a, a problem um, mm-hmm. offensively. Now, what I'll say is, is that where he needs to convince me mm-hmm. with the shooting is, is he going to settle? Mm. Right. Especially right. Um, in the mid-range, because there are a lot of times where he's really settling for mid-range jumpers. Mm-hmm. And he's comfortable there. Right. And I can't fault him in high school for, for getting into those shots necessarily. I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, his his time spent in Durham, he'll be given more direction as to what shots are good shots for the offense while not completely taking away something he feels comfortable with. But there are a lot of times that he's settling for like fade away step backs. And if he could extend that and consistently use those shots and, you know, from behind the the arc, I think that'll, that'll kind of help me put him up in the right spot. But Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm worried about him a little bit in the mid range because there's, there's some times where I look at his size and his physicality and I'm looking at a guy who's settling for mid-range jumpers. So Corey, I, I did want to ask you, like you just mentioned the the settling. And then before that, you mentioned the hitch. So the hitch was something that I wanted to ask you about just, you know, as mm-hmm. a high school coach um, who obviously has more basketball experience than I do. I, I was wondering, cause I, like, as I was watching it, like I saw that too. And I was wondering, is it like a matter of him not knowing like the correct speeds to go to is it a matter of him not like really reading his defender well because i know exactly what you're talking about there are those moments where he he get, he finds himself like caught up in a weird space like there was this one position where like it looked like he, it looked like he was about to go into a combo move and then he kind of got jammed up and took a really awkward mid-range because mm-hmm. like as you mentioned when he's in rhythm he'll do like little cross tween sidestep like like you know size of three it's just like holy shit is that cam thomas and then there are other times where he'll like he's about to go into a move and then he kind of gets jammed up by the defender and then he just takes a really awkward shot and so i was going to ask you like is that a like a matter of him like not knowing like what speed to go at or is it he's not reading the defender like if you could give me some color on that i i kind of felt and quickly i think cam thomas is going to make us look pretty good I mean, he's, he's looked good in the preseason. He looked good in the summer league. Uh, we're maybe not this year. We don't know how much he's going to play. We're so smart. You know, so far he looks, he he looks good (laughs) as far as the hitch and and why it's there. Part of it to me. And I think this is something that's common a lot of times with young players. And I think now even more so because a lot of these guys are working with trainers Mm -hmm. uh, and you're working like one-on-one one-on-oh so often that when you're a lot of kids 
when they're young, it feels almost like they're going through steps in their head. Mm. Like I remember working on this with my trainer. So it's like between the leg, between the leg, sidestep. Yeah. It's like choreography. And Mm -hmm. like when there's no trainer there, it's easy to just go right into it smoothly. But when there's a defender and now there's a variable coming at coming your way right all of a sudden there's a little extra thing you have to think about so you're you're simultaneously going all right crossover crossover sidestep but now it's harder to get into because you have somebody reaching so you're going mm-hmm. you know crossover avoid the reach crossover sidestep create space and there's more steps and then you're thinking about the process of your of your shot like okay i want to bend the, you know my knees I want to, you know, make sure my elbow is at the right angle. Here's my extension. And and in all of this, it's happening so quickly that if you're just overthinking it a little bit, the process looks clunky. And I think right. one one of the guys that always gave me that impression BJ. was like Cole was Cole Anthony. Oh, Cole Anthony. Yeah, Cole Anthony to me it was like this guy's been working with like such professional trainers for so long cuz mm-hmm. he's got the the pedigree uh, and the opportunity for that, that it always felt like some of the moves didn't come off as clean as, as they could have, have come off. Cause it wasn't natural. It wasn't like something you developed in a pickup game, right? You know, where you're just, you're not thinking at all. No one's worrying about stats. It's just like, this move was not birthed on blacktop. It was birthed, you know, in a private gym. Mm. So there, there are moments where I look at that and look, I don't know how how often Paolo is getting individual training, but that's what it looks like to me sometimes. Got it. And that's where I think maybe some of the hitch comes from. But then there are times where he's just flowing and, and mm-hmm. it looks like he's not thinking and it looks so clean and effortless. Because I right. do think he's a, a for his size, I think he's a pretty, pretty solid ball handler. <sighs> yeah, dude. You know, and it's fluid. <laughs> it's, it's weird because he's so massive yeah that sometimes the ball looks so tiny in his hand like it looks like he's a monster dribbling the basketball in space jam <laughs> you know yeah, like yeah. I, I, I so the fact that he does have a kind of clean handle to me always was is kind of impressive um just because right. he looks so massive but that is the one thing like his handle like he looks like he's got a little bit of seattle to him with his handle he's got some shake he's got the change of speeds. He's got the, the hesitations. Yeah. You know, and, um, and that's why, you know, I, I mentioned like the settling because he has all that mm-hmm. and he's so massive. And I just, I, I, sometimes I wonder like, this is a guy who could shoot the three and is, as we mentioned, like, even if he's not going to be a guy that all of a sudden shoots 39, 40% from behind the arc, you have to right. respect it. Right. So you have to kind of play up on him, but also he's so massive with a tight handle that like, why is he settling sometimes? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because I, you know, I want to see him use that handle to attack the rim. So that's another reason where, I, where I'm kind of like, nobody has what you have. Right. Right. Like there are other freak athletes in this class. Chet is, you know, a guy, his size moving the way he does his skill set. We talked about that. That's kind of freaky. Jalen Duran, you know, and he he had a good day with measurements at, at the pro day. Like he's a massive monster yeah. kind of athlete. But Paolo has some wing to him at a size where he's a big man and uh, even some 
some guard handles that he shows off sometimes. And I don't know. I just, I don't want to see him settle that. That's right. That's what I need to see at Duke. And he could, he could come out in the first two games and kind of have me just going, all right, this is the number one pick, but I I, I need to see him attack the hoop. You know, Corey, I, I think, you know, back to what I said before, and I, I, I really agree with everything that you said. And, you know, you mentioned before, like, um, oh, sorry, I mentioned before, like the consistency. And what I meant by that is like, I feel like, as you mentioned, I, I really don't think he'll be like a 40% three point shooter, but at 6'10, 250, if he's like a solid 35 to 37% shooter, like that right there is that consistency that I meant, where, mm-hmm. like you mentioned, they're going to have to worry about that. You know, they're not just going to let him like free roam, take a wide open three point jump shot. They're going to step up on that. And like, it, we talked about his handle and his shooting, but it really is like the hand-eye coordination stuff with the handle. Like you mentioned, like he's so great with that, but he moves so freaking well. Like, you know, for our listeners out there, like, you know, if you mostly listen to our pods, you don't know, but like Corey has a cat that's with him and Corey's (laughs) cat moves so swiftly and all over the place. And that's kind of how I feel about Paolo. He's got some cat, cat swiftness to him. You know, he's Mm. a giant guy, but he's so fluid with his movements. And it's like, there's like a quick twitchiness too at times. And then like, we haven't even talked about like when he gets up in the air, it's like, God damn. Sometimes like he really, really gets up. And so like when you start putting all that together, like the amalgamation of all of his ability slash talent, it's pretty frightening. It, it really is. And so like just going back to the shooting, like I think, as you mentioned, his his shooting is going to be just enough of a threat that it really just sheds more light on the rest of his game. And so hopefully, like you mentioned, if he's not just settling for those mid-range jump shots and he's using all of that talent and all his gifts to attack the rim we're talking about a potentially like frightening player and i i have my comp for him uh which I, i'm not sure if you're comp. gonna like i have a comp yeah. for him too that yeah. is a little different than the direction i usually go i hope and, it's not oh, the same person i hope it's I, not. that would be fun if it was um yeah he, i do want to touch on something you said though because right. one of the things i've been kind of hearing or, or reading a little bit uh, in regards to Paolo, is that I think one of the narratives about him right now is that he's not a good athlete as far as like pop goes. So I want to ask you, like, mm-hmm. do you, because you mentioned that you, it feels like you think he's a good athlete. Yeah. I mean, I don't think he's Jalen Duran, mm. but he is more than good enough as an athlete for my taste. Like, there were a couple possessions where he got up for like alley-oops or just like straight up two-hand dunks and i'm like look like okay i understand he might not be like prime dwight howard but at 610 250 with his handle and shooting ability like i think he has plenty like honestly there were a couple of times like i i i kind of gasped i was like oh god damn like i didn't realize he was gonna get up that high for a couple of those dunks so yeah, like I actually hate that narrative. Um, just from you know what I saw, like I think yeah, I I don't think he's gonna be a super freak athlete. But does that mean he's not athletic? Hell no. And like as I mentioned before, there's like a quickness to him that I really enjoy, like a fluidity plus quickness plus hops. And I'm just like, yeah, that's that's a freak athlete. Like maybe not like Jalen Duran once again, but he's really really athletic. I'm happy with that. Yeah, I. I thought he was athletic too. And again, I, I mean, you nailed it. He's not Jalen Duran. He's not going to be Blake Griffin coming out of college. But 
there wasn't any part of me that was like, oh, this kid can't put somebody on a poster. Right. You know, so I don't think he's got this crazy vert, but like to me, it was like a functional athleticism. Like he moves like a basketball player. And I think when he's getting to the hoop, you know, if he learns to, you know, hone in the aggressiveness that we want to see out of him, I think he'll be able to put, you know, somebody through the basket, um, especially with his strength. And, and that's part of it. It's like his strength and his athletic and, you know, his, his balance. He is a big ass dude. Like he is big. Oh, yeah. And I actually, I think he's looked a little leaner um, mm-hmm. in some of the video footage that I've yeah. seen, like with Duke workouts and whatnot. And I think that's smart because it'll help him, uh, I think defensively. And whereas he's still strong. So I don't think he's going to get pushed around. Even if he does get a little bit, a bit leaner, it's, uh, it's almost as, it's what the bulls kind of have wanted out of Patrick Williams, you know, like Patrick Williams had those tree trunk legs coming out of college. He was so thick and now he's a little bit leaner, but not so lean that, uh, he's going to get bodied and and moved off his spots. Mm -hmm. But I think that with him kind of leaning out, I think we'll see a guy who pops a little bit more athletically on the screen than maybe he did in high school for, for some of the, the games that, you know, he was playing in, but, a lot of times too, like, I don't think he was giving his, like, if he's on a breakaway, he wasn't looking to like put on like a dunk contest type dunk, you know, for the cameras. He just kind of like, all right, here's a, uh, like kind of like a power slam where I'm not like using all my energy. So I think there, he's going to show some stuff as a, uh, run and jump athlete at Duke that is going to kind of be like, oh, oh, wow. That's that's impressive for a guy his size. And I think this is where, again, why his average stock price was one point eight. And he's he's going to be in fighting for that number one spot because I do see the the potential there. Um, and again, I, you know, I, I'm not saying that he's the the best athlete in this class. He's not right. Jalen Green. He's he's uh, but for his size, I think he could. He's gonna he's gonna have his moments athletically. So right. I just wanted to see where you were at with that, and I'm glad you touched on it before I even asked the question. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the post game. Okay. <laughs> I'm impressed. Okay. I'm impressed. I think that his footwork in the post is pretty sick. That's on the block, though. Mm-hmm. The mid post brings me back to why is he taking fadeaway jump shots? Yeah. His footwork's still great. I'm still impressed by the footwork, but I look at it and go, stop doing that. Mm-hmm. But on the block, he's got this is what I like about his game. He's got so many different paths to being effective because he's so thick with such smooth footwork that you could give him the ball on the block and be like, Hey, we need a bucket. Can you get me a bucket? And he could take Mm -hmm. advantage of certain mismatches. So, um, do you think the post game is something that we'll see a lot of at Duke this year? So, okay. I, um, I want to hit on two things. I think the first thing that I wanted to piggyback of off of your last segment, um, even from watching like the Duke TikTok videos, mm-hmm. like I don't know if you've seen that, dude. Some of it, it's like, oh, you can tell like he's already like as you mentioned, he thinned out a little bit. Like he's moving better. 
Not that mm-hmm. he had any problems moving, but he already looks more agile and faster and leaner. It's awesome. Um, so I definitely agree with you with that. And I think he's going to really pop like from day one. Like, like as the college season starts, like a lot of our tape is aged tape right now, you know? So yeah. once he steps out on the floor for Duke, he's going to look different and play different, in my opinion. And then to the kind of the extension of that, I agree with you in the post stuff. Like I, for, for me, to be honest, Corey, I don't think I saw like as much like him on the block tape, you know, as maybe you did. And for me, it was just like, okay, like he can do this. And he has the ability and he has a footwork, as you mentioned. And that, that footwork kind of pops on like all three levels for him, which is pretty cool. Um, but the biggest thing for me is the fact that he has that in his bag, plus the mid-range stuff that he actually enjoys doing. Now, is he great at it? No, he's got to clean that up. Absolutely. But then also from the three-point line, right? The fact that he has all three levels in his bag as like options for him to explore and try and throw out into games, that whole package is what makes him so dangerous because you take that bag plus his physicality, plus his athleticism. And you're like, wow, this guy's in, this is why he's a top three talent. You know, like I, I don't see him getting like 10 to 15 um, post touches in the game. I don't even know how many players get that nowadays. Right. (laughs) Probably Um, none. Right. Exactly. Probably. Maybe, maybe. But like, you know, like I think and hey, it's funny that you mentioned Jokic because we haven't even talked about his passing yet, which is the shining star part of his game for me. But anyway, like in terms of that post play, like I think because it's there and because he has it, that's what makes him that much more dangerous. You get what I'm saying? Like, yeah. he's not just he, like a re, he's he's like a receiver, right? He's not just a straight line runner. You're not you're not just going to call the go route for him every. He's time. not he's he, not Deshaun he, Jackson, exactly. <laughs> who still has a you know who's still playing unbelievably. <laughs> you know, shouts to him. But he can run. You know, the underneath. He can run. He can run out of the slot. He can run as an X. You know, opposite the tight end. He can do all kinds of things, right? And so that's what's interesting with me about Bonchero. He's like a complete package. He's a Devonte Adams type of receiver who can do all kinds of things on the floor. And so I'm with you, man. It's there. And that's, what's exciting about him. Talk to me about why you're excited about his passing. Okay. So I, I this was the part that I was waiting for. Like after watching his game and watching as much tape as I could, um, he's not a perfect passer, but he enjoys it. Like, that's the thing that I love. And like, especially watching his interview with, um, with, with Schmitz, that's something that he talked about. He's like, honestly, like I love passing. And for me, like, I love that he loves passing, which is so weird, but you know, you watch him in transition. He's so fun. He's so fun. And he talked about how in high school, his coach really emphasized that, like go ahead with the hit away. Get your head up after the rebound, grab and go, look to make that pass, push it, push it, push it. You know, like you see that in his game and it's not just like, it's not just like, um, it wasn't like just indoctrinated in him. It's how he wants to play. And so that's, what's so exciting about it is that he has the vision and the awareness to do it, but also he's been coached to do it. So it's kind of that perfect mix there where he enjoys it. He's good at it. And he's been coached to do that. And then not just in transition, but even in the half court stuff, like you, you mentioned his post game, you mentioned like there were some passes. I was like, that's just freaking awesome from, yeah. from a 6'10, 250 monster finding that, that weak side corner do that shit bro take it to the rack find it to the dunker spot do it like it's it was so impressive for me which like when i get to my comp later it was the passing that really led me to my comp because 
I just think like that's the finesse part of his game that's going to make him pop so much alongside of all the other ability that he has. Yeah, the passing is he averaged almost four a game as a junior. And to me, you look at a guy his size and you see him able to read the floor so well already. As you mentioned, the weak side hits. Uh, and I think that when you see a guy who can make weak side hits consistently at, at a young age, that's the floor vision, the court vision, the feel of that is something that is a natural part of his game. And as much as he's coached to it, it's just that's something sometimes that you can't necessarily always teach yes. to yes. to passers. So that feel and and to me, the feel is what gives you those vibes of like this is a guy who fits kind of the direction of the league where like it's positionless and you could give the the ball to Paulo at, at the top of the circle and you can probably run him off a screen you could get creative you could do some of the stuff like Jokic you could go guard to big or big to guard pick and roll and and throw defenses off and you know I, I don't know if we'll see that at Duke necessarily mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, with the college game, but I think you know when he gets to the NBA, you're going to be able to do some really creative things with him. And then you, the post stuff—that's what—that's why Jokic can have the ball in the post because he's a deadly scorer. But it's—it's it's as good as a driving kick, probably better because you know you can just plant guys around the perimeter, let him right. go to work in the post, and wherever the double comes from, he's going to be able to make a read. And I think Paolo will have that a little bit to his game as well. So I, I'm really excited to see how that works. I think that. Um, you know, we're going to have some really fun Paolo in the mid post, AJ Griffin cutting to the rim. Um, you know, hopefully his knee injury, he, he recovers yeah. from that, um, you know, shortly. But th- there's going to be some stuff that passing wise, it's going to be like, wow, wow. And I think the passing is one of the things that's going to get people excited enough to potentially make him the number one overall pick. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm looking forward to that. You mentioned it's the shining star, and I think it's it's what makes him, you know, the potential uh, number one overall pick in the draft. It's the combination of all right, this guy's a big guy, he's a scorer or whatever. But we've seen that it's the okay, this guy's got the passing chop. So now right. there's there's so many dimensions to his game. Right. I mean, you mentioned he's Italian, so maybe yeah. <laughs> he grew up playing soccer, watching Serie A. He's got the whole, you know, he's got the vision. He's got the Pirlo in him. He can make every damn pass. It's unbelievable. It truly is unbelievable. And the IQ, as you mentioned, like, Corey, I love that you mentioned, like, the feel part of it. Because, like, once again, you being a coach, I'm sure you see this with your kids. Like there are some kids who just innately can feel when someone is cutting, when someone is in a certain spot, they have that instinct to make that pass, to have that vision. There's some guys you can coach it, you can show them tape, you can do everything, do drills, and they just yeah. can't get it. They, they can't, can't it. feel it. Like I, ha- that's how I feel about Porzingis. Like I feel like KP may have, you know, gotten better, but it's just not in his blood to look for people and to feel his teammates moving on the court. Banchero is like he's orchestrating like a beautiful symphony. He's Mozart. I don't know any Italian, um, you know, con- conductors, um, composers. whatever. Composers, whatever. <laughs> I have no idea. Um, I'm really out of my depth with music. But um, I-, I feel like Banchero, like he feels people. And that's what's so freaking beautiful about his game. So I'm with you, dude. Yeah. And we we just sung his praises. But now I want to move to an area <laughs> where I'm a little bit more concerned. <laughs> Me too. I want to move to his defense. Yeah. 
there's there is a lot to like, but there are areas of concern. The question is, how concerned should I be with some of the defensive issues that he has? Because we talked about his size, his fluidity, his mobility, his effort. Mm-hmm. I am not in love with his effort yeah. defensively. And sometimes for as much as we just talked about all the great offensive things he does, I'm not in love with his offensive effort always either. And that goes into the settling. So defensively, tell me where he, he shines to you before we, we dig into where I think some of his weaknesses are. So I, I think on the defensive side of the ball is where I get like the most like cognitive dissonance crap in my head with him. Like I'm just like kind of clashing because like, as I mentioned, like everything that I've watched from him in terms of interviews, a kid sounds so coachable. Like for coach, for coach Tullaba, I would love for your kids to be like Banchero. Like yeah. I, I really hope they're like him because there, there's a, there's a, there's an element to him where he seems so real and raw and honest about his game. And so like when I hear that and I see that, I'm like, okay, there's real upside to him developing and growing, right? And for me specifically on the defensive side, as you mentioned, what I wrote is it, it, he's a lot like a, a, lot, a lot of the other guys that we've seen, there's a lot of floating to his game mm-hmm. defensively. There's a lot of him kind of spacing out. Like even like yesterday, I was watching like the Knicks preseason and Jericho Sims, you know, on a two-way contract with the Knicks. Like you see him, like he's trying, he's looking to box out, he's trying to rebound, but then also like defensively, they're running like high pick and roll and he's just kind of getting lost. Yeah. He doesn't know where to look. He's not looking at the right person. He's not, you know, he's he's not tagging the right people. Like, you know, he's kind of all over the place. And mm-hmm. that's kind of what I see with Bonchero a lot. There is a lot of floating. But then, like, where I get that dissonance is like, okay, he, there is floating. There is, like, a lack of focus and concentration. But also, the kid is so coachable. And then in terms of, like, athletic and like tools, like as you mentioned, like seven seven foot and a half wingspan, that's plenty long for me, right? He's built built like a Greek god, six ten, sorry, two fifty. Yeah. Like he's got it all, and he looks pretty good on ball. There were a lot of possessions. I was like, oh, nice! Like on yeah. ball, it's moving his feet, using active hands, using his chest, like Davion. Not as good as Davion, but you know. Sure engaging that chest and using his his big old man tits to like you don't get into a guy like you know like there's stuff like that where it's exciting but then you get the floating you get the lack of concentration so you know if anything like i'm I'm kind of deferring to you Corey. i'm wondering like with your experience working with these kids like do you feel like if a kid is coachable and you can work with him and he's willing to work with you do you feel like when you're looking at bonchero's game like you feel like he's going to be able to fix that and become maybe well, i don't know if a lead or whatever but a good defender well, that's that's what I'm interested to see because he's so physically gifted. He's so much more physically developed than so many of the players that he is playing against that the floating, we hear this a lot with young bigs of, oh, they floated in in high school. So like how much effort are we going to see at the next level? We heard it with, with Wiseman. We heard it with Mobley. We heard it now, you know, I'm saying it with Boncaro. And it's like, is this actually something that we should be concerned about? Because I don't know the answer to that until we see him play at the next level with guys that are maybe not at his his level, but at least closer than people were in high school, right? You know, he's a guy that when he was locked in, 
no matter if it was coming from the weak side and swatting, you know, something, uh, you know, a layup or him getting ISOed at the top of the the three point line and being able to move laterally quick enough with with guards, it's like wow, like this is a guy that is going to be able to play in a whole bunch of defensive schemes and you can throw him anywhere. And if you want to switch with him, you can, you know, it's that he's got the ability, I think to have the kind of impact, not, not as much because I don't think he's as long as Scotty Barnes, but Scotty Barnes was able to guard full court on smaller, quicker guys. And I think that Boncaro could do that again, not as impactful as Scotty was maybe, um, but he has the patch, the ability to to have like a Patrick Williams impact mm-hmm. as a freshman, right? You know, Patrick Williams averaged over a block a game in like twenty something minutes a game. Like uh, coming from the weak side, switching one through five. I think he's got the ability to do it. It's is he going to have the drive, the want, the need to do it? Yeah. Because he didn't always have that playing in high school, playing as a for as many times as you saw him lock a wing up out on the perimeter, stay with them, just swallow them really right. for as many times. There were also moments where he was just like playing Ole defense and somebody yeah. was getting to the hoop. And, you know, I, I don't know. I don't think we'll see as much of that. I think, you know, we're, we're getting the coach K farewell tour. I think coach K, <laughs> he would love one last serious run in the, you know, for a championship. So, I think he's going to demand the most of these guys and and get the most of it. And like you said, Paolo seems like a very coachable kid on tape. So you you add in the coachability and, you know, the the drive to succeed at the next level and go to be the number 1 pick. I'm really hoping that we we get that because, mm-hmm. you know, uh going back to like the passing, I think one of the areas that you're going to see the most creativity, the most you know, kind of like luxury car version of him is in grab and go transition situations. But I thought that his rebounding was really poor. I felt like he could gobble up every single rebound that he wanted to in a lot of these games. And instead of like boxing out and jumping up to go get the board, it was just like, all right, I'm going to get this board if it comes to me rather than I'm going to go and get it. I'm not hammering the kid on his effort and and using it as a black mark to all of a sudden put right. him as like the 10th best prospect in the class but I think that effort preseason watching this old tape from coming from a high school kid is the reason that I have him as you know my third best prospect and I went back and forth because you know I have Hardy firmly there because I have the least amount of question marks and I think he's got a clear path to being like a 30 point per game scorer in the mm-hmm. NBA and if his passing comes along, we're talking about a serious, serious all NBA kind of guy. Boncaro, I have, I ha- I do have the question marks in a few different spots. Chet obviously is mostly with his body. And then I have the questions of like, is his body going to be able to stay healthy mm-hmm. where we haven't seen a very good track record of that with guys of his size and mobility and Boncaro, I think has a, you know, I, I think he'll stay healthy, but the effort the the want the need the drive to make an impact every single possession that's what i need to see i'm not saying that it's not there but that's why i have him third in the class you know i've been i've been watching some uh patrick baldwin jr and i was thinking mm-hmm. like oh you know Corey's probably got him too now <laughs> <laughs> this, this this is a Corey guy right here um i love I, him we haven't talked about him at all but i know you love him and like as, as soon as i started watching him i was like 
there's no sh- way in hell that we're like we're definitely going to do a draft deck pod on him and we're just going to gush over the kid for an hour like i already <laughs> see that one coming um it's weird that he's going to play for milwaukee but it, it's fine you know he's playing yeah. for his dad right that's what it was yeah so. that, that's why he's going yeah. there it's fine but anyway, um, just really quickly, just to kind of piggyback on what you're saying, like, I agree with all that. And as you mentioned, like, I think context can be really important. You know, hopefully Coach K farewell tour, he like says, you know, I'm going to pour every last ounce of coaching that I've got and pour it into these kids. And, you know, maybe like, you know, as these kids go up a level, hopefully they blossom in different areas. And for for Bancaro, if he blossoms like we think he's going to blossom offensively then that defensive part if he can really develop there and take on that coach k teaching or who are the coaches up there like shire a coach up there and like nolan smith or i don't know they've got all kinds of coaches up there right but um hopefully he gains a lot and becomes a really good defensive guy now i don't know if he can be really good right away but just we i think for both of us we want to see growth if he can mm-hmm. show growth and a little bit more engagement and focus, then that alone can really bump him up. And maybe he'll be fighting, you know, Patrick Baldwin Jr. on your board for number two. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm dropping the Patrick Baldwin Jr. film sesh uh, in the yeah. next couple of days. I, you know, watch a lot of film. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm excited about him. You, yeah. you know me all, all, all the too well. <laughs> I want to, I want to skip ahead to, um, to this segment because I'm interested in hearing your comp for him. Okay. Okay. So if you're buying stock in Paolo Boncaro, who may you have previously bought stock in? I, I'm first off, I want to say I'm really excited that we're doing this first because I've been like itching to talk about it. Also, I'm glad that we're recording so early in the process so that we're going to be the first people out there like saying this stuff. For me, it's Anthony Mason. Um, I see. Yeah, dude, I see a lot of Anthony Mason in his game. Like, I think he's going to be Anthony Mason with like a higher offensive ceiling as a scorer and shooter. I think he's a better vertical athlete. But the reason why I like Pancaro as an Anthony Mason type is the playmaking. Like Anthony Mason, we saw him on the Knicks as a bruiser. He had shoulders bigger than his head. Like he was such a weird guy, like like physically. But when he got to Charlotte, when he got to Miami and made an all star all star team, the guy was such a great playmaker. And you saw him even in the 90s. He was like developing his jump shot, working on his offensive like like arsenal. And I'm just like, I'm watching Boncaro and like I'm getting flashbacks to Anthony Mason. I'm like, okay, if this is Anthony Mason in 2021, 2022, in this new era, maybe that's going to be Paolo Boncaro. And hopefully for me, like I'm hoping Boncaro develops on his rebounding and defense as Anthony Mason was known as an absolute mauler of a man. But people tend to forget that Mason like, he was such a gifted passer. Like he was like grabbing and going at an early stage where like people really weren't doing that. And like Pat Riley was, you know, empowering him to do that. And when he got to Charlotte in Miami. And so I saw Anthony Mason in this game. And I, that's maybe why I like Bound Caro so much because Anthony Mason might be like my favorite player of all time. So um, yeah, I saw some Anthony Mason. I love that. Rest in peace to to Mace. Um one of the the coolest New York athletes, yes, sir. Ever. I mean, what he did for hairstyles in right. New York City in the '90s is is enough to you know have him you know go be inducted into the Hall of Fame alone, in my opinion. Right. My comp is I don't think it's too far off from from Mace. Mm-hmm. I see a little bit of Derek Coleman 
in Oof. in Boncaro's game for okay. I think some reasons that are a little bit similar to maybe why you have him in you know as uh, an Anthony Mason comp. And I, I think it's funny we both have lefties uh, that we comped him <laughs> to, even though he's righty. It's again, it was the the size, the versatility, the skill set, the passing, the everything you wanted out of you know uh, a prospect. Derek Coleman was able to do. He could knock down the three. He could play make. He can get out in transition. You could give him the ball on the block. He had you know a uh, little little combo moves he was well ahead of his time as a player now you know i think one of the things that with Derek coleman that we're all concerned about or we were everyone was concerned about was the effort um yeah. the how bad does he want it he could walk into seasons where he was 2010 and four right you know and um you wonder what he could have done if he had the kind of work ethic that the greats have right right so I'm not saying that Boncaro is following suit as far mm-hmm. as work ethic goes. I'm not yeah. going to put that and bestow that kind of, uh, you know, thing upon him. But I think skill set just from a blank slate perspective, I look at all the things that Coleman was able to do as a player and I go, I, I think Boncaro can can do all that, too, from mm-hmm. his position, his size. I hope that Boncaro has that drive to to be more. Because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you could see him being the the version of Derek Coleman, maybe that we hope that he could be. Right. Right. Dude, Corey. Wow. Derek Coleman's so good. So I I was at, it's fun. I'm actually amazed that you brought up Derek Coleman because I was actually thinking of a lot of like the fours from the 90s. So yeah. Coleman is a guy that I thought of, too. My only thing was I thought Coleman was a better shooter, but it's fine. Like, yeah, Coleman. Yeah, awesome. I think he's a, he's a yeah. smoother shooter. Right. But then I, but along those lines, like I thought of Sam Perkins, like people mm-hmm. forget like Sam Perkins before he gained all that weight um, and was just like a standstill set shooter for the, for the supersonics Perkins. Like he was an athletic guy too. Like when he was on the Lakers, dude, like that, the, I think it was like the 91 finals against the bulls. Like he was doing stuff and he was like mm-hmm. an integral part of what they were doing. You think of like Cliff Robinson, um, mm-hmm. Danny Manning, like all these like plus fours, you know, that had all this ability is kind of where Bonchero sits as like a plus four like you have you've coined the whole like three and d plus yeah like maybe you know it's kind of like that concept as a four like a yeah. four plus or a plus four like he's like all those guys like he's got so much to his game that goes beyond like the bruising six ten four you know there's so much um nuance and so much um what's the word like yeah, the, the nuance part of his game that I really, really love. And so the finesse part of his game is mm. what I'm thinking, you know? Yeah. And so I, I love that, man. Coleman's great. Yeah, I, 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 <laughs> Mason's great, too, because Mason had the strength. He had the Boncaro strength. Like, Mason was right. a full-on brick wall. And that's what, I mean, I can't even imagine what Boncaro is going to look like five years into the NBA. Right. With NBA training, nutrition. It's going to be scary that he's already physically just like so overwhelming. I like that you said, you know, he's a, a plus four because I was going to say, like, what position does he end up playing full time? You know, he's not a three by any means. And there's I think four is his natural position, but he's going to be able to do more than than that. Right. And I think that his size, this strength that we talk about is going to allow him to play some five, some of that small ball five, which 
I feel like the NBA is going to trend in this direction more and more. So it might be the perfect time for him to come in that by the time that he's, you know, leaving his rookie contract, there's going to be so much up and down, fast pace, small ball five, everybody wanting to play death lineup esque that he could be the, the perfect size for a big man. And maybe yeah. he is the kind of unicorn prospect that you look for and not these seven, one, three-point shooters who just block shots maybe it's more like Boncaro man yeah no Corey I'm so upset because that that's exactly what I was going to say like last draft process like all we heard about Evan Mobley was like unicorn is he the next unicorn right coming up next on first take you know I'm just like you know cool like that's fine but for me I got to a point in my head Corey where I was like thinking like you are right thinking long term his body's going to develop his skills are going to develop defensively fingers crossed he's going to develop he's the type of guy in my opinion three to four years from now now ad is going to be older by then but he's going to go like he's going to lock horns with ad and give him problems like Mm. i actually think he might get to that level if everything goes right because of everything that we mentioned he has a, a lot of if not all the finesse stuff to go with a really um, intimidating physicality to his game, he might be the one that ends up locking horns with AD and not an Evan Mobley type. So I'm I'm in a thousand percent agreement with you. Yeah, and beyond AD, like look at what we're already seeing from like a team like Toronto, right? Who the yeah. way they're building out their roster, like they're going to be playing OG Ananobi, Pascal Siakam, and Scotty Barnes all on the floor together at the same time. And one of those guys is going to be the five. I I don't know which one. I don't know. It's it's going to be, you're not going to know. It's just going to be these interchangeable chess pieces. And uh, that's what I think he could be. He could be this, this piece to the puzzle that fits anywhere on any roster and any construction and any scheme. That's, that's what he has. That's a, the, the capability of, Paolo Boncaro, and that's what makes him so enticing. This is why all of these outlets have him as the potential number one pick, potential number two pick. Our our guy Tyler Rucker from backcourt violation. You know, I know when we did the pod with him, of uh, just watching these guys mixtapes and judging them strictly based off their highlight reel. Uh, he said, like, just show me that you can knock down a three pointer and that you could play defense, and you have the number one spot locked. And I think that's what he has the opportunity to do more so than any of these prospects, he has the opportunity to go out day one and just be like, nope, nobody is fucking with me. I'm the number one pick. Nobody has what I have. And that says something because Jaden Hardy is a guy that wouldn't shock me if he had a 35 point night, his first night with the, uh, with the ignite. It wouldn't shock me if Chet Holmgren walked out with 20 points, you know, 14 rebounds, seven blocks and, and five assists on his first night. And even with that said, I could look at Boncaro and say, he has the most opportunity to have a a game uh, opening night that just goes, wow, this is good. This could be a no brainer. Hey, also, Corey, we've seen what happens with the national media when a star from Duke starts to pop. Yes, that's that's a big thing. He I think he might have the absolute, as you mentioned, the best opportunity and the best stage to really lock in that first for Prime one time. spot. Because, exactly. And it's Duke. It's Duke. And it's the Duke. fact that he's farewell for tour. Duke, he's going to be on ESPN every night. He pops. Jesus. It's yeah. not going to be, you know. Chet playing on Fox Sports at 11 Eastern. <laughs> you know, he's going to have the limelight. Schmitz will be there doing, you know, halftime stuff or or like inter- in-game interviews. 
Um, he's gonna have there. He's gonna have all the Sports Center like opens. Right. You know when he plays top tens, House of Highlights. Mm-hmm. He's gonna have all that. So he's gonna have the hype machine with him for sure. And uh, he's this is already shaping up to be an interesting class because when we dive in earlier, like man, I can't wait to watch what this turns into. Yeah. Um, anything else you want to cover for uh, <laughs> Mister Boncaro? Dude, I, I just want to say, like, this whole episode was a sell me this pen. Like, I, yeah, I know we oh, like we haven't even over done it. sell me this pen. But, but that's the thing. Like, we don't even have to because, like, I think this whole episode, like, what we did was we sold our listeners this goddamn beautiful ballpoint pen. Like, everyone's <laughs> gonna want this kid because of what we ended with and the fact mm-hmm. that, like, we we talked with the comparison thing. We talked about all these like '90s plus fours that we loved, right? The Perkins, the 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 Coleman's, whatever. Like that's there on top of the fact that like he has this unbelievable stage and context in front of him. So once again, like I think the best way that the best way for me to close it is guys, if you guys are interested in like mythical creatures, like playing basketball, then be interested in Paolo Bancaro. He, you want to talk about unicorns. You want to talk about the Loch Ness monster. You want to talk about freaking fairies. I have no idea. Bancaro's all of that. Like this guy, if he puts it together, is going to be absolutely insane. And I, and I really quickly, Corey, I want to correct myself. I said 1.8 of like his average draft score was too high. Yeah. The whole pod, all I did was correct myself. Yeah, you 1. did. <laughs> 1.8 might be too low. I have no freaking idea. The kid is unbelievable. Um, and I think, I think we, we nailed it with this one and i'm really excited for our listeners to not just hear this but to then for the season to start and be like god damn this kid is actually scary yeah this is why i, I like doing these preseason pods and why i enjoy talking things out and why i enjoy having getting a feel for where we're personally going to rank each of these top prospects preseason because seeing how it's and expecting it to change and the movement is what is going to make this fun and and having that that knowledge of the strengths and weaknesses before they even get there is going to enhance the process and we could talk about you know what we got wrong what we got right for for the following episodes when we touch on these kids in the future so i'm i'm excited for this process man this is this has been a uh, a fun exercise so far it has it has man it's been uh, and, and Corey, the, the sickest thing of all is like NBA season isn't like fully started yet. We're still in preseason. Oh, yeah. Basketball. I think we're, we're both like excited right about, about the NBA season so far based oh, on our preseasons. Are you, the Bulls and Knicks both me? look great, man. Dude, I was I was like running like running errands with my wife yesterday, like watching the preseason game on League Pass on my phone at Target. <laughs> and I'm just like, I'm making noises in the middle of a Target and people are looking at me weird and I'm give it give Look at me weird. I do not give a damn. My New York Knicks look so freaking fun. And like when we finally got home, right? We're watching like the Knicks game on the TV with my wife. And I, was, I looked at my wife. I was like, like, when was the last time we watched a Knicks team be this good? And I know it's preseason, but she was sure. like, yeah, I'm so used to the Knicks being down 20 all the time. And I was like, I hate you, <laughs> but you're right. And that's why I'm so excited. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, the amount of joy that will be bringing to our significant others based on our teams aren't potentially making us miserable is something that I think they should really appreciate that these teams have done. You know, they should appreciate Leon Rose and Arturis Karnishevis for what they're doing. The Bulls, their preseason run so far, I it's it it's been a terrifying. thing of beauty. I the offense is beautiful. The defense looks good. We're just straight murdering teams. We don't even have 
uh, Patrick Williams or Kobe White right now, and we're just running out like Elise Johnson and Devontae Green at the four, and it's still looking fantastic. Alex Caruso, I have to say, after watching him for two games, I get it. I get yeah. why the the Lakers fans loved him so much. Right. This kid is a baller. He's like, you know, going from like Ryan Archie Diacono <laughs> as the backup point guard who like knocks down shots at a good clip, you know, can get you into the offense, tries really hard. I love Arch, you know, but you're Villanova boy, but he's, you know, short and slow and not athletic. And like Caruso is a legit NBA athlete, legit NBA size, and still gives you all the things that you like about those like hustle players that are like fringe NBA players. So I get the Caruso stuff really in depth now after just watching him. So it's, it's been a good week. Corey, really quickly before we close, I did want to say this. Watch out. The national media, <clears throat> the national media is going to freaking fall in love with Zach Levine on a new level this year. Like, I think, like, post Olympics plus the Bulls being even better this yeah. year, you guys are going to have like a sick record. He's going to be leading you guys in scoring. Like, I, I'm already ready for like the whole like Bleacher Report ESPN circle jerk on Zach Levine, dude. It's going to be unbelievable. And I'm, I'm excited for you, dude. Yeah, I'm ready for it too. He's, uh, He's been wearing Nikes, which is, you know, one of my my theories is that, you know, if you have if you want to potentially be a a finals MVP one day. And I'm not saying that he's going to be a finals MVP on this Bulls team that we're making the finals. But if you want to be, you better sign a deal with Nike because Nike has been dominating since Tim Duncan. The only finals MVP that was not wearing Nikes was Kawhi Leonard when he won with New Balance. But Kawhi won his first finals MVP under the Nike umbrella with Jordan. So, you know, does that count? I don't know. That's up for you to decide. So uh, all I'm saying is if you want your your team to be a championship contender and your best player to win finals MVP, I'm looking at you, Trey Young. You better sign with Nike Mm. is what I'm saying. (laughs) Trash. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, um, Mr. Uh, Garbage Time Gim, tell the – the www's where they can find you all right um if you're still running on um dial up screw you but um you can find me um, at gtg nba on twitter um also i honestly still use a lot of my old handle too just because like all the people i'm following but we're gonna pick that up we're gonna pick up gtg nba i've got some cool graphics coming for that too trying to make it look cooler trying to embrace my new persona let's go but um yeah that's where you'll find me and Corey and i we're going to keep kicking it here on the draft deck and keep pumping out awesome content for you guys we sure are we got a lot of awesome content coming on the draft deck feed make sure you subscribe rate it review it um make sure that you listen up for these ending segments because we're going to be uh pumping a lot of new information to uh into your veins very very soon we're talking like mm-hmm. two weeks soon yeah really going ham on coverage with a bunch of our pals um so stay locked in there you can also get this information at uh albert's handle on twitter you can get it um from my twitter at the hardwood mag and um i just released some some merch so you could if you go to my Twitter handle, you can uh, find the the link to the the Gumroad shop, and uh, you know, dropped like four snapbacks, like a couple of hoodies, some t shirts. Um, so you know, hit that up, pick something up if you want, and uh, we we got to sell me this pen draft act shirt on there. Oh um, yeah, you know, so support the draft act. And um, for now, I think that's what what we'll leave you with. That's all we need to pump for now. 
because we're going to be pumping, pumping hard pretty soon. We got a lot, okay, we got a lot coming, man. We, we got, got a lot coming. coming. All right, mm-hmm. y'all. Uh, appreciate you rocking with us. Uh, until next time, when uh, apparently Albert is that we're we're going to be uh, covering Patrick Baldwin Jr. So um, until next time, thanks for rocking with us. We out. Peace. Peace.